they're going to say this morning is that, well, they're just doing life like the rest of us. And this morning they get to share their story with us in hopes, and my hope is this, that as we've come in to do this in the cruciform plus sign, that in them sharing we'll begin to get a clearer picture of what this looks like as it relates to relating to our neighbors and God's call for us on this horizontal line of God We're in relationship with you for a purpose outside of ourselves. We're in relationship with you, yes, for us, but also at the same time, not a, it's like a both and for those who are living in the horizontal in our neighborhoods, across the ocean, everywhere else. So with that, give a round of applause to Jeff and Sherry to make them feel really uncomfortable, and uh, we'll go from there. So guys, we love y'all. I'm going to pray for them real quick. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for this time, and I simply say, Jesus, have your way, and do what you want to do. And I pray, Father, that you would speak uh, through Jeff and Sherry the things that you have for us this morning, and I pray, God, that they would recognize your presence with them in peace as they come and share your word. Father, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. It's such an honor. Thanks, um, we don't normally speak. We're kind of people of the plow, so um, we're... Mercy for That's us. our disclaimer. We're rubbish at this. We t- so t- set your standards really low and you might not be too disappointed. We, till the field. Um, we are coming to you with greetings from the mission field of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, it's middle America. Uh, it's ordinary and it wasn't where we expected to be, but we've had the privilege of um, being called and trained um, in seminary and uh, to do this kind of work that we think is the most ordinary stuff of being a Christian in North America. Uh, I'm from here. Uh, Marietta, Georgia is my home and grew up grew up very closely with Randall and um, grew up with some folks that might be a part of this um, community, but definitely down in Marietta. Um, so I am going to share a little bit about my story and my conversion and the good work that God has done in my life, but ended up in Kentucky in 1998. Never thought I would be a missionary. Never thought I'd need to study for it at seminary, uh, but God had other plans, and um, that's where I met my Um, husband from Australia, and he certainly never thought he was going to end up marrying an American, becoming an American citizen, and uh, living his life um, with me in Lexington, Kentucky, and that's where we live and work. We're part of a a really small, really um, underwhelming group of people called communality, and we are kind of a church. We're kind of a missional band. We're just people that want to put mission first um, and be attentive and engaged and participate in a place like Lexington at every level because we believe that the message of the good news and the Christian, the ways of God um, apply to um, every every level of what it means to be um, a citizen in a city like Lexington, Kentucky. So um, the environment, politics, um, social, um, the political, the um, economic, um, the neighborhood association, all those things um, for us are the places that God has, has led us to say, this is where um, the gospel matters. And so um, our lives are very ordinary. All the things we thought we were gifted for haven't ended up actually mattering. Um, God uses the ordinary things. And as Steve said, we, we really hope that uh, in our sharing with you, and it's, kinda, it's not fair that we have to be up here. We'd like to be down here with you. Um, it kinda, but I know that's hard to organize. But we, we, we really do want this uh, time together where we get to share to, to be inspiring to you and for you to say, <clears throat> wow, I can do that. Like, what, you know, I think sometimes we hear, we hear people share <clears throat> and we think, oh, that's so awesome. I'm glad they're doing it. 
and, and uh, maybe that's appropriate sometimes, but we don't want that to apply to us. We want you to feel really empowered and to have your imagination sparked and we really do believe that mission is across the street and across the world. And so as we share these stories and, and the story from scripture, we want you to be thinking about your neighbours. We want to prime your imagination, think about your neighbours and your neighbourhood, the people you're in touch with, even thinking about this county and the people who are left out on the, on the, on the fringes and, and also uh, just to be challenged by this radical and reckless love uh, that we know about through Jesus. So, uh, oh yeah, I've got a funny accent because I'm from Australia and uh, I came in 98 and that's where I met my beautiful wife. It's a coincidence, isn't it, that we both met her. And so that was uh, 98 and I didn't expect to stay here. I came to be trained as a missionary and, and go overseas, which I ended up being overseas, didn't I? Here I am, <laughs> a foreigner in your midst. Uh, I'm glad to be a citizen of this country now and this is home. I've been here 12 years. So, um, and I was kind of born uh, into a family um, uh, through no choice of my own, but only by the grace of God, uh, a beautiful family who commit themselves to the, the uh, kind of crazy ways of Jesus, loving uh, prisoners and people in, um, coming out of recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. And, uh, and so I, for me, a lot of this stuff has been a gift. Uh, I haven't had to work, go too far from my own kitchen to see this being worked out. And so I just say that to say um, I just received it. <laughs> I didn't make any of this stuff myself. I feel really, really blessed, and I've, and I've, uh, so anyway. Um, so we want to share with you from a story you've all heard before, and you know about it, and it might, you might even glaze over when you hear that we're going to share about the story called, or at least that we call, the prodigal son. Um, but I want you to, I want you to see if you can see it from another angle today. We want to try and un- unpick it a little bit. And we also want to weave in our story of, of mission and what we've learned and we've messed up a lot. Um, and uh, we just want to, we want to weave those things together and um, hopefully finish with a challenge that we can all go out of here being uh, mindful of our own neighbours and the mission that God has called us all into. Uh, so uh, this story, uh, you might remember, is in Luke 15. So if you have a Bible, you might want to open it there. Um, now, one thing to say about Luke and Acts, one thing we learned at seminary is that this, the story of Luke and Acts, we often think about, and I've forgotten the word again, protagonist? Yeah. Is that it? Okay. So, in any story, in any story or any book or any account, there is a main character. And when you think about the books of Luke and Acts, which are actually one book and they got split up to kind of make our Bible, but they're the same author writing from the beginning of Luke to the end of Acts, um, the main protagonist, the main character is God. Um, Jesus is in there, we've got Paul in there, we've got these characters who, who move in and out and say things and things happen, but the main character is God. And the main thing that can be said about Luke and Acts and kind of the summary statement that we learned from one of our New Testament professors is that Luke and Acts is about um, God's longing and God's mission to seek and save the lost. This is the bottom line. This is what our lives are about. We have become the ones who have been sought and we have been the ones who have been saved, but it doesn't finish there. We continue in and with God's mission to seek and save the lost. It doesn't stop with us. And so if we had a, if we had a title for what we're going to share today, I guess we could say it's not about me. Um, at one point for all of us, it needs to be about us and we need to, to really encounter and receive the love of God for us, but it doesn't stop there. God does not leave us there. God meets us where we're at, but doesn't leave us there. So... Um, 
So here's this story. In the midst of Luke and Acts, we get this story in Luke 15, um, the story that is called in most of our Bibles the lost son or the prodigal son. And at the beginning of chapter 15, it says, oh, thank you, Steve. Look at his. You're a helper. Thank you. That's really good. I needed that. Isn't he a nice guy? Um, at the beginning of this chapter, the scene is set for us. Uh, actually, at the end of the last chapter, again, chapter breaks are kind of can, be, can stop us from seeing what's going on. At the very last part of the last verse of chapter 14, it says, Jesus says, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Then it says, now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming to near to listen to him. The people who have ears to hear to listen are the unlovely people. That should jump out at us. It's, 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 it's a beautiful way to render it in, uh, in the message translation. It says, people, men and women of doubtful reputation. Um, and some of us have been men and women of doubtful reputation and we know those people and, uh, and these are the ones who are leaning in to hear Jesus. Um, the people who are also there, and this is in verse 2 of chapter 15, the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is scandalous. These people are the pastors, no offence to the pastors in the room, and the seminary graduates, no offence to the seminary graduates in the room. But they're the ones who aren't getting it. The ones leaning in to listen are the unlovely people and the ones who are having problems with this are the well-trained religious people who are, who are making the rules. Okay? So this is the scene and Jesus says to these people, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of property that will belong to me. This is, like, this is like saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Dad, you know, I wish you were dead. In fact, I'm going to live like you're dead. Give me my inheritance. This is a very low down thing to say to your dad. And in this culture, and what Jesus is talking about, this is about the worst thing you can say. Because the father of his family, of this tribe, these, this, this guy is not just dad. He's, he's the elder. He's the, the patriarch. So it's a, it's a powerful statement. We can miss that because we don't understand the context. He says, uh, give me the share of my property that will, would, that will belong to me. I wish you were dead. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and he travelled to a distant country and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. And again, if we, if we miss out on what's going on here culturally, pigs are unclean. Pigs are lowly animals. You don't, and, and to this day, Muslims and Jews don't eat pigs, don't eat swine, bacon. You know, it's, I think it's great. But uh, this, this, the cultural tradition, the religious tradition, they don't eat this stuff. And a pig is a filthy, unclean animal. And so you can see this, this son has gone to the very depths of what a human can experience in this culture. And not even just to hang out with the pigs, or to, but to actually serve the pigs. He's lower than the pigs. That's low. That's really low. He would gladly have filled himself, this is verse 16, with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. 
So he set off and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and he put his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I've been practicing this speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, see his father's not even paying attention. The the guy's practiced this speech, you know, and the father's just so overwhelmed with joy to welcome him back. The father's kind of talking to his slaves, his hired help, quickly bring out a robe, the very best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the slaves and said, what's going on? And he replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and he refused to go. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might have a party with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and now he's found. So as you read a story like that, that that might be enough. We could all go home and that would be enough. It's such a beautiful story. It's such a compelling story. Um, And as we come to that, we kind of read it with different lenses. We come at it with our own baggage and our own struggles and we often, I think most of us at different, certainly at different points, have identified with the prodigal son, right? You know, we're the ones who are uh, being given grace way beyond what we deserve. Others of us have come to the story as the elder brother and we we read it and we say, you know, I recognise that tension, that difficulty, that frustration in the elder brother. I've done the right thing. I've done the right thing. How is it that this guy gets the party? You know, I've tried to be faithful. I've worked really hard and I haven't had this kind of extravagant grace. I I don't feel like I've received that. Um, But we want to suggest to you that our experience as we've journeyed through those characters and experienced that... um, we, we learn that as the children of God we need to inhabit the Father's love. This story is about the Father. Okay? First and foremost, this story is about the love of the Father. And that is what we believe Jesus is declaring here. That's the scandalous love that Jesus is talking about. So as you, as you come to this story, as we come to this story, we, we come with different lenses. And for us as, as, as missionaries and trying to work out what it means to be missionaries in the place where we live, uh, we've learned these stories about the Father's love and the challenge for us um, is how can we inhabit that same love. By the time I was 27, I'd squandered my inheritance. I had more blessings than most in the world and um, I was a prodigal child, um, a child of rebellion and um, 
it's by grace that I've been saved. And, and this has been good for Jeff and me as we've been married, and not just married, but partners in ministry. And in mission, we have read this story first as um, the humbled prodigal and as the older brother. And then we begin to find the story is really about the father. Um, in the book of Joshua, way back in the oldest parts of our history, we read about the people of God at the Jordan. Spent 40 years in the desert, um, waiting and waiting and waiting for a promise. Uh, and they stand at a swollen river, and um, the promise that God has is on the other side. And what happens? It's just a miracle. It's great to read these miracles that really happen. God um, parted the water, like at the Red Sea, and the priest stood in the middle of it, and, the, and it was dry. The bed was dry, and I don't know how many people in the Israelites were crossing, but it was a lot. And actually, just this morning, I was reading about um, the power of water because of the, the horrific tsunami that happened in Japan. And apparently, three um, cubic feet, or like one cubic yard, has the force of 1,700 pounds or a um, smart car. So they were holding back that kind of water, and the people of God passed through. So it's what only God could do. And then they were told to get those stones and um, have a symbol of God acting because Israel was able to cross the Jordan on dry ground. Their entrance to the promised land into what God had for them was made possible by God alone. So when I was 27, um, I was called by God out of an emptiness and a bankruptcy. A prodigal child who had squandered everything, um, who had on the surface a really ideal life, a really great, successful-looking American life that was utterly empty. Um, And God dried up a river for me that I would respond to the call, uh, not just to follow Jesus, but to be a missionary in the world. Um, but it's not about me. God made it possible uh, in, in my story, and, and I don't have time to get into it. Today, there were miracles. Uh, God literally, in a very small amount of time, moved mountains to deliver me from a, an anchored life in a place uh, with a lot of commitments and belongings to, um, in about a month's time at 27, moving home, giving away everything and living with my parents to figure out what's next. Um, so I, I relate to the prodigal child in this story. My experience of God has been one of forgiveness, one of restoration, one of very radical and generous welcoming home. Um, my experiences of the God, like the father in this story, that said, bring the best robe, put a ring on her finger, make a feast, let's have a party, let's celebrate. So it's been 14 years Um, since this call on my life, and I've gone from isolation and from bankruptcy to the husband that I never imagined that I would have. When I I decided to follow God, I I just wanted to follow God. I I would have been a single missionary in the farthest part of the world, uh, and God granted me um, this husband that we have been married almost 11 years, and God gave us a son that I didn't think we could have. I was told I probably couldn't have children, and this son we named Isaac. Um, because we laughed, and that story is so good. Um, I, I who imagined as